When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like and comment. Let us know what you think about the episode. If there's a question that we didn't ask and an answer that wasn't on the podcast, let us know. We'd love to be able to get those answered for you. Or if you have a guest suggestion, we're always checking YouTube comments. Love to see your guys' feedback and then incorporate that into future episodes. Today I'm going to be chatting with Bryant and he has a really cool story with his background in trucks, diesel trucks, off-roading, and I wanted to learn more about some of the endurance races and longer races that are out there and what goes into the decision of whether you're going to run a diesel vehicle or gas, some of the pros and cons to both, um, and how chase vehicles, you know, some of the, the ways that diesel really excel at that. Um, so he's going to share with us his experience, not just with racing, but also team building, getting the crew together to go tackle these races and a bunch of other things. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you guys, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site-wide discount code for you. If you use code 20diesel at kershaw.kaiusa.com, you get 20% off site-wide. And they just had a bunch of new knives release. We did an episode recently with them. A um, bunch of really cool things. So if you're in the market for a knife, whether it's for hunting, fishing, EDC, something to have you know, in a toolbox around the house, they've got something for every budget. Definitely make sure and take advantage and save that 20%. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Bryant and learning more about off-roading, gas vehicles, diesel, and what goes into these this type of racing. Bryant, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I appreciate you reaching out to me. I've uh, you know followed. Well, I'm into racing a lot, and I know you're involved in so many different aspects of it. So when you reached out, I was like, "This is going to be great to be able to chat about off-road racing, diesel trucks, a bunch of different stuff." So welcome to the Diesel Podcast. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to talking with you about it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think that uh, if you're into going fast, it doesn't necessarily matter exactly what it is. We just you get bit by that bug, and whatever it is, you, you take an interest in it. And I don't know a lot about off road racing. I've I've seen it. I've kind of you know from afar, um, you know, paid attention a little bit. But it just seems this is what I really wanted to chat with you about is how challenging it seems because right. normally drag racing, diesel, you know, diesel drag racing. I know a lot goes into it, but it's in this straight line for seconds <clears throat> at a time. And off road right. racing, you think of hours and the physical toll. So, oh yeah, where did that where that passion start for you? How did you get interested in that? So I grew up in deep South Texas, uh, down by South Potter Island. I was born in Brownsville and I was raised in a small town called Los Fresnos. And I was not involved in any motorsport down there uh, in that fashion. Uh, no off-road racing for sure. Um, I don't come from a motorsport family. However, when I was a kid, about seven years old, we visited some friends of my parents and they sat me down on the couch down there, down in Brownsville. And the guy was showing me some pictures uh, out of a uh, out of a photo album, you know, not on Facebook or anything, but a legit <laughs> photo album. <laughs> and uh, he was involved. He was involved in all kinds of motorsport in Mexico, Formula One, NASCAR, sprint cars, Porsche Cup, things like that, that they were racing in in Mexico. 
And as we got towards the back of that photo album, the pictures started getting a little dustier, not because they were old and hadn't been looked at, but the, the, the actual picture was of a dusty place. And there were square body Chevys and Volkswagen Beetles and things of that nature in it. And that really piqued my interest. And it turns out that that was Baja. And those pictures were taken during some of the score off-road races in Baja. And they were just ingrained in the back of my brain. And from that moment on, my bucket list, the very top of my bucket list was to race my own truck in Baja at some point. That, that was my life's goal to do that. <clears throat> Fast forward a few years, I didn't have any opportunities to get into off-road racing. After that, for quite a few years, you know, almost 20 years, and I, but I continually researched it and read about it, and if it was on TV or whatever, I, I would restoke that fire uh, of, of interest in it. Uh, I went through a period of doing diesel performance stuff. Uh, in 2012, I brought a four-cylinder uh, seven-second turbo diesel from Thailand to the United States to race at the NHRDA World Finals. Uh, built a couple seven, 800 horsepower trucks and had some fun with that, put on some drag races and things like that. Putting on those events taught me that I enjoyed creating opportunities for others to participate in something. So that was a skill that I tried to hone. Uh, putting on an event, putting on a dyno day, putting on a drag race, something, something of that nature. Uh, at that time, it was all diesel performance related, uh, but I still had this itch to do off-road. Uh, I, I wanted to go to Baja, and I wanted to figure it out and and make make my way into that world. In 2015, I realized that local to me, uh, at that time, I was living in the Midland Odessa area in West Texas, working in the oil field. And I realized that there was desert racing in that area that had actually been going on for a long time, but it was not very well publicized. So not a lot of people outside of those small circles knew about it. Somehow, I can't remember exactly how, I met up with a guy that was involved in that. He had a class seven truck, which is a six cylinder, like a Ford Ranger, okay. uh, heavily modified, of course, full fiberglass body uh, and all that, no doors and, and everything. Um, we met at a local off-road park in the area and he took me for a ride in it and it was just as amazing as I imagined it would be. <laughs> um, I'm not a big V6 kind of guy, but it didn't matter because it we jumped, you know, 15 feet in the air and it landed like you were sitting on the couch and I, it was just amazing. Uh, I helped him put on, or sorry, I helped him pit for a couple of his races, helped him on his uh, pit crew at a couple local races. And then he asked me if I wanted to start an off-road race association. And I said, absolutely, that's what I would like to do. Because of my previous experience putting on events, I knew that putting on events was a good way to potentially make a career out of this and to spread the word about it so that more people could get involved and hopefully feel the excitement that I felt being a part of the sport. That same, that same year, I had a compound turbo Cummins. It was about a thousand horsepower truck, 818 on fuel with a 300 shot of nitrous. 
uh, on it and uh, had that street truck. It was super clean. I bought it from a buddy of mine, cruised it around a little bit. And then I said, you know what? If we're going to do this off-road stuff, let's do this off-road stuff. And so I sold that truck and that put a little disposable income in my pocket. I called up a couple buddies of mine that I'd been friends with through the diesel stuff. And I knew they had the, uh, the means, time and, and financially to, to get involved in off-road racing and thought they might be interested. And I proposed to them, I said, hey, do you guys wanna go race a truck in Baja? And they said, yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> so 2015, like I said, I, I jumped in head first. I mean, I did not hesitate at all. Sold my Cummins street truck, uh, started a race association, put together my team to race in Baja with our own truck and we started shopping. And uh, from then on, it's just been a whirlwind of off-road stuff. Uh, we bought, we went up to Canada and bought our truck. We have a uh, 2004 Dodge 2500 four-wheel drive crew cab short bed. It is a Hemi truck and not a diesel. Uh, I can get into that here in a little bit about my, my personal preference for the race vehicle being set up that way. Uh, when I bought the truck, a lot of people asked me, hey, are you going to put 12 valve in it? Are you going to put a diesel in that or whatever? Um, no, I'm going to keep it a Hemi. Uh, it, it's much more reliable in the desert under those conditions uh, that, that way. And, uh, and yeah, so we put the team together. We found our truck. Uh, it was within our budget. It was actually under budget. And, uh, and here we are off to the races. L literally, we started <laughs> racing the very next year. Oh, yeah, it's been been a pretty wild last couple of years. That's really interesting to me. It, it, it kind of it piques my curiosity. So I don't know is when you're looking at a, a vehicle to race in the desert, what advantages does you say that Hemi or a gas powered engine have that would if you had a diesel would just have some drawbacks or just not fit that particular role? right. So, in my opinion, there there. There are a couple diesels that race turbo diesels. I think there's a four-cylinder truck out of Arizona, I believe, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's a 4BT, and it's cool. It does a pretty good job. It's pretty reliable to them. However, in my opinion, the the two major disadvantages for me. Okay, let me let me caveat that by saying. In desert racing, the way that I have developed my program, my race program, is all about mitigating risk. We have to mitigate as much risk as possible because there is so much risk that we cannot mitigate yeah. with the course being so long and the time required to drive it and unexpected things jumping out at you at night. There's just so much extra risk that I need to make sure that I have my hands on all the risk that's possible and cut it down and that risk includes um the function of the truck reliability safety things of that nature so the two major drawbacks in my opinion for running like say my exact same truck but with the cummins in it instead are number one the weight there's a lot of extra weight over the front axle Extra weight over the front axle means when it comes off the ground, it doesn't fly flat and true. It's nose heavy. When it comes back to earth, it's extremely hard on the front suspension pieces, you know, and, and we're doing this for 
anywhere from, you know, 170, 200 miles to 1300 miles. So we need to make sure, and we are racing, you know, we're not just tooling around in the desert. We, we are yeah. racing. Uh, even though I'm not extremely competitive, we need to get to the finish within the allowable time limit, which means we got to push the truck. Yeah. And so that weight is the first thing that, that I'll bring up when trying to compare running, say, a Cummins motor versus the Hemi motor in that, in that particular truck. It's just too heavy. It's too heavy, in my opinion. The second um, thing that I consider is boost. In my opinion, boost and silt beds don't mesh well together. That super fine talcum powder dirt, any deficiency in your air filtration system in a turboed vehicle can cause a catastrophic failure. Whereas a naturally aspirated gas motor if you have a failure in your in your um, air system, one, it's a lot more direct. It's filtered directly to throttle body. There's no intercooler. There's not a bunch of bins. There's no piping. You know, it's it's a whole lot less pieces to go wrong. But a naturally aspirated motor, if you get a little leak in part of that system, one, it'll just pull air through that leak. It won't have a boost leak. And two, it'll chew up a little bit of dirt. And in a motor can eat some dirt and it'll be okay. It won't be great, but it'll be okay. A, a turboed vehicle or a supercharged vehicle cannot eat dirt at all because it, it will rapidly degrade turbo systems and superchargers to the point where you have oil leaks and then oil consumption and then runaway or complete failures in other parts of the motor, but naturally aspirated. And that's my, that's, those are my two weight and boost. I don't do boost in the desert. I'm not a big fan of it. It's a lot more risk and I have to keep the truck alive. So those are my two major, major decision makers for not going with a diesel. That really got me thinking about a lot of different stuff because I think of trag racing. I think of, um, you know, listeners that we have that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll message in and they'll say, Hey, I've, I've listened to you for five or six or seven years. And I've always wanted to you know, start my own shop or start my own construction company, or I want to do these things, or I'm pursuing this dream. And I don't think eliminating risk is, I can't think of anyone that's put that at the very top of what they're aiming to do when they try right. a new venture. Right. And yeah. I, that just caught my attention a lot. Um, you know, thinking about that is how you can, I don't want to say ensure success. But I think how you can give yourself the best chance at it, pursuing, you know, like you were mentioning, racing two or 300 miles, 150 miles or 1300, or you're right. jumping into a whole new career, or you decide, hey, I'm going to turn this truck into, you know, a, a diesel drag truck or any any other type of, uh, of racing application. When you, when you look at your racing program, you look at where you want to go, how much would you attribute that risk assessment and balancing it to your success or the potential? that you feel you and your team have moving forward? I, I would say very high, you know, 90% or more. And the, the, in addition to the, the risk assessment, the way that I develop my race program, our primary goal when we were out on a race course is not to win. I'm not there to win. I'm there to finish. I'm there to finish on time. And with that, 
that that comes for two reasons. One, winning is very expensive, and all of this is paid for out of my own pocket. So finishing is extremely important to me because of all of that I have to devote to the program, time, money, energy, all of those things. It's very, very important that we are utilizing the vehicle and our pit strategy and everything in a way that we mitigate the risk so that we can get to the finish line or to the next driver or to the next section, whatever it is. It's always the number one goal, get to the end of whatever it is that you're doing. You've got to get to the end on time. And um, that, and then in addition to that, you know, beat me not being very competitive allows me to rein back whenever I get passed by somebody or uh, I feel a time crunch or whatever. I, I don't get the red mist that you see a lot of drivers get when they get passed or they come up on some dust thinking they may be able to pass somebody. I don't care. You know, I, I don't, I don't care at all. So having that as my primary goal, green, green flag to checkered flag. We've got to see both flags. If we don't see both flags, I consider it a failure, you know, in, in my opinion, no matter the reason that we didn't see both flags, the goal should always be, if you start, you must finish. And in addition to that, the, the vehicles that I'm, driving are pretty limited uh, there it's my truck is extremely durable but it's not very fast uh, in these in these conditions but it'll get there and I find that it's more useful to show people that if you start you have to finish and no matter what happens in the middle you've got to keep going and finish and so it's very important to me to create opportunities for myself to where we don't have to give up or we don't have to quit you know if if we're able to keep the truck together and keep the team together then then we can fix broken parts to some degree and we can you know change flat tires and we can refuel the truck and we can deal with complicated terrain and all of those challenges but the goal being to get to the finish line is uh, is the the most important thing when we're actually out on the race course and mitigating that risk for that challenge provides great success because we're able to keep the truck together and we're able to have a good plan of what should happen and knowing that there will be some things happening that we don't plan for but if we plan for everything we possibly can then we're prepared and we're ready you know we're ready for for those situations that we know might come up you know, and then there are, of course, like I said before, some situations that we didn't know would come up, but we being prepared for the previous ones leaves room for us to be able to jump on those sudden changes without a lot of stress because we're ready for all the other stuff. Yeah. So we can, you know, we can kind of segment that in our minds. Okay, we're ready for all this. So if it happens, it's not a big deal. That way, when something else happens that we didn't prepare for, didn't know might happen, we have mental capacity to prepare for that, you know, and to, and to handle that situation because we're prepared in all of our other ways. So there, there seems to be, and while there is a, a ton of synergy between you know, the, the type of racing and the, the perspective you have, and then also, you know, with diesel as well. And one of the really cool things though, that, that we were chatting about um, before the podcast and everything was about some of the diesel vehicles you do have, you know, that are part of your team. And I wanted to ask you about that role 
and how they fit or how they help you in this whole program and development that you're doing and the just the kind of role that they serve for you when you're out there racing 200 miles to 1300 miles. Sure. Sure. So the support vehicles in this sport are called uh, chase trucks. Usually uh, you also have some that are called pre runners and they do exactly as their name entails. A pre runner is utilized before the race to pre-run the race course so that you can make notes and write down dangers and cautions and things like that if that's allowed during that race sometimes it's not um and then chase trucks as their name implies chase the race vehicle down the course or usually not on the course but on side roads and and uh down the highway and then through access points and things of that nature um those vehicles get utilized the most in places like Baja, where the, the, the course is so large that you don't come back to the same pit area. Uh, and so your pit has to move. At a lot of the smaller races, um, I, I say smaller, at a lot of the shorter loops, there's usually stagnant pit areas where you don't have to move. Uh, and my truck is able to complete a full lap. Like for example, I'm prepping right now to go race the Mint 400 in March. And that's a, about a 97 to 100 mile loop. And I can do at least one lap on a tank of fuel without having to refuel. So my pits will be set up with chase trucks, but they'll be set up and they'll just sit there. They don't have to follow me around the course uh, because the pit areas are set every 30 miles, roughly, there's three of them. I'll have people at each one waiting for me to come by with fuel, tires, tools, things, snacks, things of that nature, whatever. Like I said, mitigating risk. So we plan for whatever might happen that I may need some help on. And sometimes I'll stop and sometimes I won't. The chase trucks are where I have all my diesel stuff. Uh, my personal chase truck is a 2013 Ram 3500 four-wheel drive uh, dually. And uh, one ton truck, service bed on it, big rack over the roof of the truck. It's full of lights and tools. And I carry uh, spare parts, transmissions, axles, tires, fuel, welding machines. I mean, it, it, it's a mobile shop. Uh, everything that's in it is designed to keep the race truck running. That is its primary goal. In addition to that, I also hook it to a trailer and haul my 9,000 pound race truck out to the races. So when we're cruising down the road, we're, we're just under 26 K uh, all the way down rolling, rolling to these races. So it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a sight to see it's all <laughs> stickered up and everything's color matched and, and all that, you know, they look good together and, and all that. And the racing that I've done being that I race a Dodge truck is pretty rare. There are not very many of them anymore. There used to be like this one you can see behind me. That was a Walker Evans truck, uh, first gen, you know, tin grill type square Dodge. And uh, back in the 70s, 80s and 90s, Dodge actually raced corporate at a corporate level. They had uh, Walker Evans was involved in that. Uh, Rod Hall, who is my off-road racing idol, uh, he raced corporately for, for Dodge back then and then they kind of got out of it and they haven't been in it uh, until hopefully I can pull them 
pull them back in and <laughs> have them send me a send me a new truck to to try to build into a race car and do some do some uh, stock style truck racing. Um, but that is pretty unique that I race a Dodge. Like I said, there's not very many out there. Uh, at the last Mint 400, I raced on the same day as all of the multi-million dollar trophy trucks, and my truck towered over all of them. And it's a twenty thousand dollar farm truck. I mean, it's you know, it's not, it's not a super high dollar truck, but it's just enormous uh, in its presence. And uh, and so I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. Because of that uniqueness, I was able to bring in some guys to help me pit. That's the Dodge Trucks Extreme Group, and they all have desert-built Dodge trucks. Long travel suspension, mostly Thurin, Carly, that type of thing. Big King shocks, you know, uh, bypass shocks front and rear, and springs, and all the good stuff. So they can go boogie out in the desert uh, at at high speed. And uh, fiberglass fenders and lights and all the cool stuff that we have. All these trucks are outfitted like that. And uh, what, what makes my program pretty unique is that when we roll into a race, all of the support vehicles are all Dodge or Ram trucks, all of them. They're, and I, I don't, sorry to anybody that wants to come pit for me, but if it's not a Dodge, you can't bring it. <laughs> You're more than welcome to come, but you have to ride in somebody else's truck because uh, I want to keep that image. Um, most of those are diesels. Uh, so they, they, they have the power and torque to haul the race car and better fuel economy than towing with a gas motor or something like that, you know, and, and they, they can, while they are not racing, they can get through the off-road terrain that's required if I break down on the race course somewhere and need a rescue or need parts or something brought out to me, if that's allowed in the event that we're competing in. Uh, you know, and so those guys have their trucks set up exactly for that. My chase truck is set up for that. It's got third suspension and two and a half inch Kings all the way around. And it is actually served as a, a sweep and recovery vehicle for the Nora Mexican 1000, maybe five or six times. It's been all the way down the Baja Peninsula on and off road, you know, even though it weighs 12,000 pounds and uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a beast. So the chase truck is, is where a lot of my diesel stuff is. And its job is to make sure the race car stays alive. And another unique function of having a, a, a chase crew and pit crew set up like that is that if per chance something happens to my race truck suspension wise, uh, axles or whatever, I can steal parts off the chase trucks literally and put my race truck back together because we run the same axles and we run the same hubs and we run the same drive shafts and all that kind of stuff. So I can scrounge parts from the support vehicles if that means continuing and finishing the race. So I like that function as well. Everything we have works together. All the pieces work together. And yeah. that's, you know, it's not just coincidence that it's like that. It's a little bit by design. I like how that all fits together. And I, and I think one of the big things that I, that I just started thinking about was the team that you mentioned. And, you know, from the planning to the chase vehicles to everything that goes into it. And I imagine trying to do this by yourself would be near impossible or it'd be really hard to do the, you know, the start right. and the finish that you mentioned. How do you, 
how do you build that team or does it just kind of find you because the, the passion of you know off-road racing is right. existing with all these guys so it it's come both ways uh, a lot of things have just fallen into place which are indicators to me that i'm doing the right thing and that i'm where i'm supposed to be when when things get easy you know it in such a challenging environment when things are easy it could either mean something bad is about to happen or you're doing it right. And, and I'd like to think that with my team that I'm, I'm doing it right now, there is, to be honest, 90% of the work is me by myself. Uh, you know, going after potential partners in the race program, sponsorship type things. Uh, most of the wrenching that gets done on the truck is me by myself. Uh, I do have people that come out and help and I, I am, extraordinarily grateful for that um but even though i do most of that by myself logistics planning and pit strategy and you know finding out where we're going to stay and how much fuel is this going to cost and all those kinds of things I, I can't do it without these guys i it's it's like you said it is near impossible to to do this without at least a handful of people that believe in you and understand what you're trying to do and can uh, have enjoyment from it, you know, and that's, that's the biggest thing when I bring people in is I want them to enjoy it. You know, it's a lot of work and we're going to be up long hours and I'm going to try not to be super rude and all that when I'm frustrated and everything. Um, but that cohesiveness <clears throat> comes, it comes because of the energy that I'm putting into it, that attracts more energy. Yeah. But it, it also sometimes brings in some people that just don't quite mesh, you know, and, and sometimes you have to work through those, those challenges. Uh, you know, we've, I've done it in the past. I had some people on the team that didn't quite work out just right, you know, and had to say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't working the way that we were, planning on it and you know thanks for your help and all that but it's just not quite right to make sure that we have good forward progress and success with the program you know it comes kind of both ways i really lucked out with uh with the dodge truck extreme guys um they they are desert-minded individuals they love being in the desert they love what these dodge and ram trucks are capable of in the desert and so me being able to represent them uh, is is an honor and and I also really like that my race program represents a lot of blue collar type work you know and people my truck is like I said it's a three-quarter ton four-wheel drive crew cab short bed dodge pickup uh, when there's no stickers on it and it's all white aside from the roll cage in it it looks like a work truck you know it just looks like everybody else's truck you know my dad has one of those or my uncle's got a truck like that or i have a truck like that that i use for work and this and that and so i'm i'm extremely grateful that i get to represent that crowd as well uh with with my truck and showing that hey you can do this with you know beat up old farm truck if you want and uh and a little bit of effort uh, you know you can you can come out here and play in the desert with me but <laughs> the team the team thing i've been very fortunate um a lot of what I do is pretty calculated and I'm not, I'm not trying to say things in a way that make it sound like I know more than anybody else. I learn all the time um, on, on what we're doing, but I, 
I take my time to make my decisions based on their future impact. And that includes putting together my team and how I want to be represented and how I want to represent those people and, and what kind of support I need and what are they able to, to provide. And, you know, will the crew, will the pit crew get into fights while I'm out on the race course? And then I show up to get fuel and there's nobody there because everybody got pissed off and left, (laughs) you know, are we going to have an awkward drive home from the race with everybody in the truck? Uh, you know, things, things of that nature all come to mind. And I feel like trying to remain positive with it has been a huge benefit in that it's allowed these opportunities to just happen and they mesh very well. And I'm, again, I'm super thankful for, for how things have progressed this far and what it's showing me the future can look like. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I really, that, that side always has interested me, whether it's been sports or motorsports or business or racing, is just how it, the team is such a huge part of it. Is you can have the best equipment, the best engine, the best suspension, the best vehicle, and if nobody works together, it's not going anywhere. And, right. And you see the opposite yep. where you can really extend your potential, um, you know, with the right team. And, and something I was just thinking of right now is I, you know, when I was younger, I didn't start out as like a Cummins guy. That wasn't really what my interest was. It wasn't Dodge trucks. And I think it was because I would always see Ford and GM and everybody had them. And I grew up in a Ford house and I had to be different than, you know, my dad and everything else. But that's what pulled me in originally. And I, you know, we're talking about the off-road group. Um, When I first started getting into trucks, I bought the first truck I ever bought was um, a Dodge Ram 1500 with a Hemi. It was like the first brand new truck I got. That's what I wanted. And I remember seeing... You know, these different, you know, off-road groups or racing groups or just truck guys, you know, that we'd all get together. And I was curious in, in your racing world, are there, which of the brands are really involved with it? Like is Ford and GM, right. are they hands-on? You know, I think you'd mentioned that the Dodge just kind of, you know, Rams kind of step back a little bit. Right. But I was really curious who is really hands-on in that. So know? for sure. So at the corporate factory level, uh, Ford, is number one in their support. They sponsor a lot of the big events. They are putting in a lot of effort. Um, a lot of their stuff right now is Bronco focused. So if you look at Ultra Four and King of the Hammers, that those two race programs, uh, they are Ford is sponsoring a handful of factory Bronco race cars that are flying directly underneath the Ford flag. Um, They sponsor the best in the desert events. They sponsor a bunch of stuff. And Ford is, as much as I don't want (laughs) to say it, they're doing a really good job of connecting this recent burst of interest in dirt sports and in dirt traveling to their consumer through racing. They're doing an excellent job at it. I'm really impressed. Um, Not impressed enough that I want to go try to get a Raptor, but you know, it's they're they're doing a really good job of it. And next to that, Chevrolet has factory racing. They race a half ton, and they race a, I guess it's a Colorado, so a quarter ton or whatever 
that is now uh, both, I believe they're both gas motors. Yeah, they're, it's the ZR2 in both of those. Those are both raced by Chad Hall, who is Rod Hall's son. And so he's had, his whole life was growing up through corporate racing involvement and he's been able to continue a relationship with Chevrolet Performance. And they actually use his trucks as R&D vehicles to test potential aftermarket, you know, dealership sold aftermarket suspension pieces for the ZR2, actual testing of produ production model vehicles. That gets done through desert racing, through the, through the whole program in, with the Chevrolets. And, uh, and they race fairly unopposed. So ram <laughs> let's put a truck together and let's go out there and race the halls and give them give chevrolet some legit competition you know and you see a little bit of factory support from other manufacturers um a couple years ago at the nora mexican 1000 volkswagen brought out a fully electric id4 and raced it and uh, it was driven by uh, the primary driver was tanner faust and, uh, and I got to pull that thing up a couple hills in my chase truck as I was doing sweep and recovery. There were a couple sand hills that it had some issues with. I pulled it up a couple of those, but it finished the race. Factory, they had uh, factory support. They had engineers and designers and electronics people. And, you know, the heads of marketing and programs were all there. I got to meet those guys from Volkswagen corporate. Uh, that, was, that was pretty cool. Um, Toyota has some dealership level support and a little bit of corporate support this last baja 1000 lexus brought a vehicle over from japan and raced it and it was supported on track by another race vehicle that was a toyota land cruiser um you know so that there's it's there a little bit ford is number one in desert racing most most frequently chevrolet would be number two uh, as far as corporate support and, and sponsorships and seeing those types of vehicles on the race course. Uh, Ford also at the 1000 brought a uh, Ranger Raptor from Australia and raced it stock. And, uh, and, and I, I think I'm pretty sure they finished as well. Um, so there is, there is corporate support every now and then. You see, sometimes you see some weird things um, a couple years ago at the San Felipe 250 in Baja, Lordstown Motors brought an electric truck uh, that, that, that they entered into the race. I think it made it like 20 miles or something. It was not quite as successful as maybe it could be. Um, in the past, Hummer has raced vehicles uh, that were stock, you know, uh, H1 style Hummers. That was part of the Rod Hall program, but it's, it's really tapered off in the last few years, which is frustrating for me as someone who doesn't really have trophy truck aspirations. You know, that's the upper echelon of racing. Those are now in order to be competitive in a trophy truck, you have to buy a $2 million all wheel drive trophy truck. Um, I, I don't have that kind of money. I can't spend that, uh, on, on that type of thing. And I don't, if someone were to give me one, of course I would do it. But if I'm going to be building my own program for myself, I want to race vehicles that the everyday person can recognize yeah. and see, Hey, I know what that is. That looks exactly like what I have in my garage. And, uh, or 
people will be on the fence and this is this is the actual part of racing corporate and they'll say hey i'm in the market for a new truck this one just finished that off-road race and it's almost identical to what you find on the showroom floor let's go yeah. buy that one exactly. you know so selling selling cars race on sunday sell on monday is still a thing and all of the automakers now are putting a lot more effort into vehicles capable in the dirt. I mean, even Subaru sells a lifted car on all terrains from the factory. So let's get some of that involvement back around and, and let's race, let's race some stock vehicles. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I'll definitely make sure we tag a Ram trucks on this one we release, but yeah. it's, I think we both probably see it, you know, if you from the racing side, the event side, I see it in what we do <clears throat> is, you know, there's certain companies that are really involved in the, in the enthusiast side and there's ones that aren't. And right. I think, you know, if I look all the way back and probably, you know, with my generation, it was video games like Gran Turismo and stuff. And mm -hmm. you'd see this particular brand, or I watched something on ESPN two or the racing channel. And it's like, you just mentioned, I, see you know these ford logos everywhere i see this everywhere. ford truck well i can go down to my local ford dealer and there's a raptor or there maybe there's another pickup truck that i want to build into something right and it's a great way to i think really be able to get a lifelong customer and an enthusiast and so i i, I definitely love to see that i've always been really interested in the corporate level racing i mean yep. it even goes back to the muscle car days and you know, things that ford was doing with ferrari and all that stuff which is absolutely yeah which is ford really has cool. always been Ford, Ford has always been at the top of that of that game. They, I think that they have always understood that if you provide support to these events, you are gaining direct customers simply because you're there. Yeah. You know, you don't even have to win, but you're there. And and the people that enjoy those sports and are spending all their money on being there and trying to participate and and whatnot and in off-road the outdoor recreation industry is billions and billions of dollars you know and it, it even if the the biggest part of that market right now is side by sides you know can-ams and polaris razors and things like that but those guys need a truck to pull it yep. you know and having ford plastered on everything they're, they're doing it right as, as much as I may not want to admit it. Cause I don't really want to race a Ford. They uh, they're, they're doing it right, man. And they, like you said, they've done it right since the sixties. Yeah. They've, they've never, it seems like they've never faltered in their support of aftermarket and of motorsport. You know, they've always been there to help support now Dodge what it is now, you know, not Ram is doing a pretty good job of supporting the aftermarket with the, the customizations that you can do with their cars and they're extremely popular, uh, you know, with social media people and whatnot, you see, you see a lot of Mopar stuff out there, but they're just not that into the racing at a level that is relatable to the everyday person. I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I'd agree. Definitely agree. One of the things um, when we first started chatting, I think this is really cool, is this pledge drive that you have going in. And one of the things with motorsports, with racing, with just loving the internal combustion engine is it is a community. It's a lifestyle, really, no matter 
what type of track we're racing at. And I thought what you guys are, are doing is really cool. So I wanted to give you, you know, an opportunity to, to talk about it, share it um, so that people are listening, you know, if they want to jump in and help, I think it's a, a really awesome cause, but I didn't, I didn't want to take the words out of your mouth. I wanted to have you kind of explain sure. to us this really cool drive you guys, you guys are doing. Sure. So uh, this, this next race season, which for me, I, I usually race about one race a year. That's about all I can afford to do one big, big event a year with my own truck. And I wanted to give back to a community. Uh, I, I've, I've had so many opportunities come up to live such an incredible life in over the last, you know, seven years related to off-road racing. And, and it's, it's been unbelievable to me that me coming from South Texas being a, a nobody is rubbing elbows with important people in the industry. And all of that comes from just enjoying it and being a part of it and participating at in whatever, whatever level I can, whether it's actually racing or just helping someone pit or just watching the race online and talking about it, things of that nature. So I really wanted to use this platform to give back because I've been given so much opportunity. And I, over the last few months, I was trying to figure out how I wanted to structure that, what I wanted to do, uh, how could I get people involved with my race program and a charity at the same time? How do those two things work together? My initial thoughts were, well, let's do something blue collar. And this is still a goal of mine. I want to get micro in my truck. And uh, because the the sport of off-road racing, and I think motorsport, for the most part, is a blue-collar sport. Most of the people that participate in it are blue-collar type people in my sport in particular. Um, even the big top echelon racers, their primary companies are construction or concrete or, you know, earth-moving equipment or all of that type of stuff so they're or farming and and things like that they're all they're involved in that blue collar world so i wanted to get micro in my truck and have him come out to an event and support his foundation didn't get those contacts made didn't work out right maybe he'll hear some of this and eventually we can get it get it figured out but that that was in my mind is what i wanted to try to support uh blue collar work well halfway through last year i went through some personal struggles in my life and I started seeking some, some outside help and found out that I'm autistic and that being I'm 36, that was a, you know, late in life diagnosis. Uh, it, it changed my life. It, uh, it made me able to look back at the previous years and understand situations that ha had happened throughout my entire life. And it was incredible. And when that happened, I said, okay, this has been a big part of me that I didn't know existed. I started doing some research on it. There's not a lot of resources available for adults that are late in life diagnosed with autism. There's not a lot out there, you know, and I, I wanted to immediately, I need to help here. This is yeah. where I need to help. Again, it's one of those things, things just start coming together so easy that I know that I'm in the right spot. 
local to me. I live in Lubbock, Texas. This is where Texas Tech is. And part of Texas Tech, there is the Burkhart Center for Autism uh, Education and Research. I found them quickly in my in in looking online and trying to find help and things like that. And I opened up a conversation with them. I said, hey, I race off road cars. I want to try to raise money, you know, for for a good cause through my race program. Are y'all interested in doing something like this? And they immediately responded, yes, we want that sounds incredible. And I got to know the people over there at the Burkhart. I uh, told them that I had been diagnosed and uh, late late in life, and that this is all really new to me and a little overwhelming, but I want to be of use. And the next thing that fell into place was that the Burkhart Center has this program called the Transition Academy, where their students from 18 to 30 come in and they are able to teach them independent life skills so that they can get an apartment and live on their own and hold down a job and things like that. Well, part of that program is internships, is an internship uh, part with local businesses. And some of those local businesses are blue collar. So man, it all tied <laughs> together. And I said, this is it. This is exactly what we're going to do. So together we developed the Tequachi Motorsports Vocational Skills Fund, and uh, I've got it set up as a pledge drive so that I can do two things. I can raise money and I can bring awareness to both what they're doing at the Burkhart and what we're doing in off-road racing. The reason I wanted to do a pledge drive was to make it easy for people to donate at any level at which they are comfortable. And what they'll do is we're ra racing the Mint 400. That means we're racing 400 miles. You pledge whatever amount from one penny to a million dollars per mile that we race and that we complete. We have to complete those miles. So if we don't finish, it's doing a disservice to, 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 the, to the fund. So again, that's another just pressure point on us that we have to get to the end it doesn't matter what place we're, we're in it doesn't matter how long it takes as long as we finish on time every mile that's the goal and uh, in doing that we can raise money and then people can follow along on the live feed during the race and the live tracking map and through our social media stuff to see what the guys in the pits are up to and what they have to say and get reports back from me while I'm in the race car and things like that. You know, we can, we can put all those things together so that we're raising money and we're introducing people to, to off-road racing that may not be a part of it. And uh, in, in a fun interactive kind of way. And I thought that was a, a super cool idea. There's also the option to just donate a one-time amount. If you want to do that, you can do that as well. But I thought the pledge drive was cool because it gets the people that are pledging have skin in the game now for us to finish and and i have to do my best to not let them down uh you know and and try to take as much of their money as i can <laughs> <laughs> i think that's really that's really cool so how how would i find um the pledge drive how would i sign up for something sure so we've got a, a website sign up it's torah t-o-r-r-a racing.com slash charity 
there's also a link on that page, charity link on that page. Uh, and then all the social medias we've, we've got as well. Most of my personal stuff is uh, Tequachi Motorsports, T-A-Q-U-A-C-E underscore motorsports. That's on Instagram, uh, YouTube, same name. You can find me, Bryant Blakemora, on Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty easy to track down. I try not to hide in the shadows too much, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, but the website is where everything is is being collected all the data is being collected and then once you sign up for it i'm doing hopefully starting this week i'll be doing like a weekly uh email blast to everyone to let them know progress on prep on the truck and give them a little bit of information about products that we're using on the vehicle and uh you know things about the burkhart and whatnot so that people can stay can stay in touch with with us and with what we're doing it's very cool it, it... This podcast was really awesome because I came into it thinking, man, I don't know a lot about desert off-road racing, but there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between diesel and off-road sure. and the passion, you know, of motorsports sure. and and the team yep. building. So I, was, I learned a lot. I'm I'm probably gonna have to sit down with you again, maybe after the race, and chat with you more once I think of more questions. Sure. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I can't, I can't keep my hands out of it. So I'm, I'm busy with all kinds of stuff. I want to say, I want to add a couple, a couple more things. One in is that I have found that if you have any interest in motorsport, I recommend that you do not dip your toes into the off-road world unless you're ready to give it all up and only do that <laughs> because it, it will take over your life. Uh, it is that exhilarating and that challenging and that intense that that what you experience during one off-road race whether you're just spectating or participating or part of a pit crew or whatever will give you stories for a lifetime and uh and it's i've seen it often that people that are just drag racers or uh street track racers you know road racers things of that nature whatever they're into as soon as they get dropped into the off-road world they're like oh where has this been my whole life this is the most amazing thing uh and they and they come back and usually they come back with their own race car <laughs> so so i've seen it so if you want to be a part of it absolutely try it and do it the other thing i wanted to mention is that in my upcoming schedule throughout the year um speaking diesel related and maybe this is something we can work on for a, for a future podcast i am helping a team from the Netherlands that has a 2005 Dodge 2500 four-wheel drive Cummins-powered off-road race truck. And we are getting it put together. They, The truck used to be in the United States. It used to race with Core uh, years ago. It's raced in Baja. Then it got shipped to the Netherlands. These guys bought it. They've raced uh, Dakar and uh, some of the other off-road rallies on that side of the of the ocean well they want to bring it back to Baja and so we're getting it together so that we can race uh, with them we'll support their truck uh, at the score Baja 1000 this year in November in a diesel so in Very a Cummins cool. powered manual five-speed manual <laughs> diesel truck so there's a, there's more opportunity for some excitement man Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate you reaching out to us, sharing your story, giving me some insights into, you know, that world and, 
and you know putting together a team and, and like i said i think what you're doing with the uh, the pledge drive is really awesome so thanks again Thank for you. reaching out and uh yeah keep me updated on racing new things you're working on and um yeah i look forward to seeing what you do this year and how the how the truck performs and also that uh that race in november with that manual cummins powered diesel truck oh, yeah. that's gonna be my yeah man <laughs> again i i really appreciate you having me on the show uh, i'm thankful for opportunities to talk about what we're doing uh, I don't want to come off as bragging. I'm just really excited about all this stuff and I want people to know about it and, and get involved. You know, anybody can do this at any level. There's opportunities for everyone to do anything. And, uh, and I really like having the opportunity to, to share that with your listeners and, and maybe get some, get some new people involved in, in the dust. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kai usa.com use code 20 diesel for 20 percent off site-wide it's a great way to be able to save some money on a really cool knife whether you're a collector i'm an enthusiast or you need something for edc or hunting or fishing they've definitely got you covered with a a lot of choices for your blade steel handle material opening mechanisms and any budget out there so we appreciate them offering that code to you guys also want to give a shout out to some of our patreon supporters um, Tyler Lowen at 23 Diesel, Caleb John, all of you on Patreon, all of you who subscribe on YouTube podcast apps that are on our Discord and uh, you know sharing your truck stories, asking questions. We appreciate your feedback. You guys are the reason that we're on year seven of doing this and we couldn't do it without you guys. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.